Last week I told you that uh, I, I didn't want to do announcements at the end of the service um, because I wanted us to be able to leave here with uh, what the Holy Spirit had taught us resonating in our minds and, um, and changing us, using that to change us. And, and this morning I find myself um, wanting to go right into our Bible study, especially after the powerful, powerful song about grace um, that Ross and Arthur ministered to us with. Uh, but it's important that you be aware of some of the things going on in our church, and I appreciate the testimonies of these uh, young ladies that work in our children's ministry, and I think that the common thread throughout those three testimonies is simply this, you can't, you can't outgive God. You can't outgive God in your finances, and you can't outgive Him in your time, and you can't outgive Him in your giftedness and in your energy. He always gives back abundantly more than you give Him. And the testimony that I heard was, I serve in the children's ministry, and what an incredible blessing it is in my life. We're working very, very hard to make our children's ministry the very best in this community. And uh, that takes people. This morning after the service, Deanna's going to be in the lobby at a children's ministry table. And we are looking for people who feel that the Lord is calling them to serve in our children's ministry. And we want to um, shore up our reserve of volunteers in our children's ministry before a special training takes place in February on February the 20th, a Saturday uh, morning. So I asked you to prayerfully consider, listen, if God's not calling you to do that, don't do it. But if God is calling you to do that, you ought to be obedient to him in that area. This has been a neat week in the life of our church. Uh, I heard from Huey Houston, who is uh, the founder of Covenant Ministries, a ministry to the troops uh, in Israel. Uh, it was at Christmas that we asked you to sign some cards, and we sent them over there during this special um, Hanukkah celebration. And um, God is doing incredible things through this ministry. He is softening their hearts. They're becoming more and more hungry to hear and learn about Jesus, uh, who he told me that they were just absolutely blown away that a group of Christian friends would take the time to send them these cards, and I want to thank you, church, for being a part of that. We also got some uh, photos from Skip Fingfish as he's doing ministry uh, up in Virginia, uh, the Watts Ministry, Word on the Street Ministry, a ministry to the homeless population in that area, and he has a huge ministry, of course, that you're aware of here in Orlando, and we praise, the, praise God for how He's using Skip in the lives. It's a very evangelistic ministry. He has seen many, many of these uh, uh, people come to know Jesus as Savior, and I thank him for what he's doing. And church, I want to thank you for being a part of the blankets and batteries. We have now exceeded our goal in both blankets uh, and batteries, uh, but we are going to continue to collect these items until next Sunday. Uh, Skip will use every single thing that we're able to give him. And again, I want to thank you for participating in that. You can't outgive God. Yesterday was a very special day in my life and in the life of our church as 50 of our ladies gathered here yesterday morning for a Let's Get Real conference. 
I have mentioned to some people, and I tell you this as sincerely as I know how to tell you, that as I sat in the back and just kind of witnessed what was going on here during that ladies' conference, I don't think I have ever felt the presence of the Holy Spirit more real in this room than I felt yesterday morning. Women gathering because they're hungry to know God better. Two of the ladies before the end of the conference was over had asked Jesus to be their Savior. Several of the ladies had said, I, I want to be a part of a weekly study. I want to go deeper. I want to understand what it means to be free in Jesus Christ. I want to understand what it means to be out from under bondage. I want His power in my life. I want to be used by Him. We have five ladies that said, I want to be trained so I can disciple other women. At the end of the day, when they had a time of prayer, more than 20 women came forward for special prayer. The Holy Spirit was moving in a miraculous way. That's part of the inward focus strategy of our church, to grow people up in their relationship with Jesus Christ, to free them to be used by God, to free them to know Him, to empower them, to equip them, to bring them to a place of multiplication, it's part of our inward strategy, and I, I, I left the meeting yesterday morning, and I went to another meeting that was taking place. It, it was entitled Engage, and it was some of the best and brightest minds in our church that gathered together to brainstorm how we could better serve our community. That's the outward focus. And they've, uh, in their discussions and in their interaction and in their prayer and their sensitivity to the Holy Spirit are beginning to formulate a strategy that we might be more effective in reaching people with the good news of Jesus Christ by serving them. I'm so very grateful for what's taking place in our church. And it's just the beginning. Don't miss out. Be a part of what God is doing. Pray with me, would you? Lord Jesus, we open up your word today and we ask that you would give us eyes to see you and ears to hear you. We ask that the preacher might decrease and that you would increase. Lord, grow us today in our faith. Grow us in our trust. Lord, we need to believe you. Help us with our unbelief. Lord, you, you, you give us in your word promises, and, 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 and they are promises that, that directly and practically impact our lives. And we too often just look over them. And I pray that we might see them today, that we might embrace them today, that we might make your promises a part of our very lifestyle. I love you, Lord Jesus. You're such a great God. And I ask you, Lord, to do in this time together what only you can do. And I ask that in your powerful name. Amen. I want to ask you this question would you describe your life as victorious? Be honest, and you don't have to answer out loud. I ask that you not answer out loud. Would you describe your life as victorious? Do you realize that as a follower of Jesus Christ, as a believer in Jesus Christ, that that is God's intent for you? That is his design for you? That is his provision for you. Just as God told the people of Israel, 
before they ever entered the promised land. I've already given you this land. This land is yours. Now go. He says to you today, I've already given you victory. It's yours. That can be your lifestyle. That can be your experience. Victory in Jesus. This story of Jericho that we look at today, this is the first battle that God's people would face as they entered into the promised land. This story of Jericho reminds us that God is in the business of giving victory to his obedient people when we move beyond our own plans to a simple trust and obedience. Beyond our own plans to a simple trust and obedience. If you have your Bibles, I'm in Joshua chapter 5, and I begin in the 13th verse. These next three verses may be exactly what you need today. Joshua, the... the, uh, the leader of God's people, he's a warrior, by the way. He's a soldier. He's a, he's a man's man. God chose him to lead his people. Verse 13 says, When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and he looked, and behold, a man was standing before him. The man had his sword drawn, and in his hand, Joshua went to him and said, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And the man said, no. An either-or question, and he answers, no. But I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. Joshua fell on his face to the earth, and he worshipped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. I want you to notice the sequence of events that take place in these three verses. This is God's design, and this can be your experience. God reveals himself. It was was the commander of the Lord's army that came to Joshua, revealing himself. Most Bible scholars are, are, refer to this encounter as a theophany. That is to say it is a, an encounter with the pre-incarnate Jesus, that Jesus himself comes to Joshua. I believe that that is true. Nonetheless, it was God who reveals himself to Joshua. Joshua acknowledges him for who he is. God reveals himself in such a way, he says to him, I am the commander of the Lord's army. Joshua accepts this. Joshua acknowledges this. And what it causes him to do, as if he had no choice, as he acknowledges that this is God, he falls on his face and he begins to worship him. He has adoration. He's in awe. He lifts him up. He praises him. It's it's worship, but there's also a part of worship that we see in, in Joshua in this encounter, and that is total surrender. The worship experience that we have in this place on Sunday mornings is so very, very important to us. 
if we're going to experience what God has in store for us. And I'm not talking about us as a congregation. I'm talking about you, your individual life. This time of worship that we experience together is vital. It's essential. You can't live without it. And and while we could talk about worship for weeks and weeks and weeks, I want to suggest that there are two elements of it that we must experience. And the first element of it is recognizing God for who He is. He's the God of the universe. To be in all of him, to lift him up, to worship him. It's telling him uh, of your love for him. It's telling him of, uh, 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 it's praising him and thanking him for his goodness and his grace and his his mercy and his forgiveness and his salvation that he has provided for us. It's lifting him up. It's being in awe of him. And there's a second part of that worship experience, which is total surrender. It's this mindset that we have of, of, God, I belong to you. I belong to you. And whatever you want to do with me, I will praise you for. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. It's absolute and total surrender. I see this in, in Joshua in, in, in this encounter. This, this, this God reveals himself to Joshua. Joshua, being, being a warrior, I can imagine that he had his hand on his own sword. And he approaches this man. And he says, are you on my side or are you on the enemy's side? And the man goes, no. What does that mean? I I believe that the commander of God's army was saying to Joshua, I'm not on your side and I'm not on their side. The question for you today is, are you on my side? And that's a question for us today. We often ask this question, God, are you on my side? God, where are you? God says, I'm right here. Are you on my side? Will you follow me? Will you go into battle with me? Whose side are you on? In this incredible sequence of events, God reveals himself. Joshua acknowledges him for who he is. He cannot help but fall on his face and worship him. And then Joshua, in this act of surrender, says to this man, what do you want me to do? This man says, well, take your shoes off. This is holy ground. And Joshua did it. God reveals himself. Joshua acknowledges who he is. Joshua worships him. Joshua asks him what he wants. God tells him, and he does it. That's all you need today, folks. You want to describe your life as a victorious Christian life? There you go. God will reveal himself to you. And I want to tell you something. Many times he'll reveal yourself to you in your time of need. As a matter of fact, I would even suggest to you that he orchestrates times of need in your life so that you might acknowledge who he is, so that you might see him as he reveals himself, so that you would go to him, so that you would acknowledge him, so that you would worship him, so that you would make yourself available to him, so that you would be obedient to him, so that he might meet your need. I believe that every person in here represents at least one need. 
but we tend to we tend to uh, uh, we don't define the need right. There are people in here who think your need is more money. Your need is Jesus. There are people in here who think your need is to get well physically. Your need is Jesus. There are people in here who think that your need is a a, a repaired relationship. Your need is Jesus. That's your need. And we go to him. The result of true worship is obedience. Is surrender. True worship minimizes or maybe eliminates our arguments with God. Please understand this morning that the Lord of God's army, that, 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 that the commander of, of the Lord's army, that God, he's not a negotiator. He's the commander. He says, here's what you need to do. Now, we live in a culture where we go, would you meet me halfway? He's the commander of the Lord's army. He holds all power and authority in his hands. There's nothing he can't do. When he says, go, go. When he says, stop, stop. God will meet you like he did with Joshua. You say, well, I'll tell you what, Dale. If God would speak to me like he spoke to Joshua, then I might, I, I, might just, I might just follow. Well, folks, for every believer in this room, God the Holy Spirit indwells you. And he will speak to you that way. He's a personal God. He's an interactive God. He will come to you. Will you acknowledge who he is? It's important that we understand that that when we truly acknowledge who He is, we have no choice but to worship Him. And true worship is essential in this journey that we're on. True worship is essential if we're going to experience victory in our lives. The result of true worship is obedience. And that's real important in this story. And it's real important in your life. Obedience, unadulterated, pure obedience is important because we serve a God of strange strategies. I was going to entitle this message, I told the staff on Tuesday, I'm going to entitle this message, uh, We Serve a Ridiculous God. And I ran it by a few people, and they went, oh, well, there's going to be some offended by that. So I changed it to, we serve a God of strange strategies. Some of the things that he, he leads us in, I mean, they're, they're what moments. I read to you chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. God's people have entered into the promised land. Maybe their greatest foe in all of their experience in the promised land is Jericho, the most fortified city that there was. Huge wall that protected the city and a very uh, um, strong army. And it was the first 
city that God said, go and take that city. I've already given it to you. Chapter 6 and verse 1, now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. They had heard about what God had done with these people. Wouldn't that be great if that was the testimony of this church? Everybody heard about what's going on there, supernatural things, unexplainable things. Well, that was the case for the people in Jericho. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand. I wonder if Joshua went, see, I don't see. (laughs) What do you mean? I've I've given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. March around the city, all of the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram horns before the ark, the ark of the covenant he's talking about. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests will blow their trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all of the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat. All the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. (laughs) What? That's how we're going to defeat Jericho? God reminds us, my thoughts aren't your thoughts. Your ways are not my ways. Isaiah 55. God is smarter than we are. When we follow him, we'll have a lot of what moments. Is there anything logical about this strategy for victory. No, nothing logical about it. He didn't say anything about drawing a sword. He didn't say anything about a wartime strategy. It was ridiculous. But he is the Lord. He is the commander of the Lord's army. And I believe that the deepest practical theological message in this story is that God is trying to teach us that we have got to trust him. we got to follow him. we got to believe him. Instead of using our own cleverness, our own experiences, are those valuable? Yes. Does God use those? Yes. First and foremost, he says to us, here's what I want you to do. We don't negotiate. We simply say, yes, Lord. And it's okay if you want to look at each other and go, that's really strange. That's a strange strategy. That seems ridiculous to me. That's illogical. That doesn't make any sense. Folks, you got to get this today. Because I want to tell you, we experience this every single day. We sit down. We're smart people. We brainstorm. We try to figure out. We use our experience. We use our cleverness. We use our ingenuity. We use all of those things. And we think we've got the, the, the right plan, the right strategy, the right way to do it. And God goes, no, listen to me. Trust me. Believe me. That's our call today. Man, we, we need to be sensitive to him. He comes to us. We acknowledge who he is. We worship him. He gives us his instruction. Well, you know, here's God's instruction. Let's take a vote on it. What? This is not a democracy. Do you understand that? God is God. We are to worship him, and true worship brings us to a place of obedience. We discern what he wants, and we follow him, as strange as it might be. This is, this is God's M.O. We see this all throughout Scripture. 
I want to remind you that when the Israelites were running from the Egyptians after God had freed them, the Egyptians were chasing, chasing after them. God says, follow me. And he takes them to this place where, where, where they're encompassed, where there's no escape. The Egyptian army's on all sides of them. That's where God led them. Well, that's a strange strategy. God said, watch this. And he opened up the Red Sea. I, 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 I want to remind you that he told Noah to build an ark in a desert. Noah, yes, Lord, build me a big boat. Yes, Lord. What's a boat? It had never even rained there before, the Bible says. Build a big, big, big boat. Now, that's a strange strategy. I, I, I want to remind you in Judges chapter 7, Gideon was the leader, the, the commander of the army of the Lord. He had 30,000 men. Fewer men than their enemy. But God says, you got too many men. Well, that's strange. Can I say, that's ridiculous. And he finally whittled them down to 300 men and gave a great victory. Y'all folks here, God says, here's what I want you to do. March around the city seven times and blow a horn and have the people shout and the city is yours. That's ridiculous. That's a strange strategy. We see it in our lives today, folks. This is what we're called to. Will you believe him? Will you trust him? Strange strategies for today, seek first the kingdom of God and quit worrying. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and see if all of your needs won't be met. Quit worrying. Why do you worry? Don't you know God loves you? He loves you more than the birds of the air and he takes care of them. He says sex is a wonderful thing and it's to be confined within the covenant of marriage. Well, God, you don't understand our culture. This is 2016. No. That's my strategy. It's not logical. Can I say that? It's not. It's not. That's God's strategy. That's God's direction for us. Here's a strategy for your marriage. Husbands, love your wife unconditionally. If she doesn't love me, love her unconditionally. She's not faithful. Love her unconditionally. That's a strange strategy. Here's a strange strategy. I'll give you 100%. You give me 10%. And the 90% left over will go further than the 100% you had before worshiping me with the 10%. That's a strange strategy. Okay, Dale, you had me. You had me on the, on, on the physical needs, on the emotional needs, on the relational needs. You had, but but I don't, I, I'm not into this money thing. You don't need to be talking about money. Well, listen, for most of you in this room, this is your Jericho wall. I'll do anything you want, but don't you talk to me about money. And this is a strange, strange strategy. Can I suggest to you that this is a strategy that's stranger than walking around seven times and blowing a horn? Everything you have belongs to me. Give me back a small portion. 
And what is left over will go further than what you had before you worshipped me with giving. That's a strange, strange strategy. I guess it comes down to, do we believe God? We, we probably should quit robbing God. You can't win that way. You can't have victory that way. We probably ought to stop trying to figure out how little we can give God and still be in His graces. We probably ought to stop searching the Scriptures to find out how little we can give Him. Listen, it's, it's an Old Testament thing. You really want to talk about that? Or are you just trying to figure out how little you can give Him? Well, I, I don't really have a lot of money, so I tithe with my, with my giftedness. Really? Are you just trying to figure out how little you can give Him? Hey, listen, that's okay to do in April when you're doing your taxes. Figure out how little you can give the government. I, I, I encourage you to do that. I do that. But don't treat God that way. Don't search the Scriptures to figure out how little you can give Him and still be in His good graces. Worship Him. Sacrificially worship Him. Can I suggest this to you? God's ultimate, ridiculous, strange strategy is the cross of Jesus Christ. Who would come up with a strategy like this? A strategy that, that says God loves you. God desires to have a, a relationship with you. But when the first man sinned, sin became hereditary. It, it, it's passed down to every person who's born. You're born a sinner. Every one of us have sinned. We're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. We're we're born that way. That's why Jesus had to be born of a virgin. The sin wasn't passed down to him. He was sinless. That sin that we all have separates us from God. It, because we're separated, we can't have a, a relationship with him. But he loves us and desires to have a relationship with us. Now the world's strategy is, if you be good enough... You're in. But God has a different strategy. It's a strange strategy. Some might call it a ridiculous strategy. He says to us, that sin must be punished because I am a just God. The wages of sin is eternal separation from God. You never have a relationship with Him. That's the wages of sin. That's the penalty of sin. And so God says to us, I'll provide a substitute to pay the penalty for your sin. It'll be myself. Jesus died on a cross to pay the penalty for our sin. And then He rose from the dead to give us life. And the strange strategy of God, the strangest of all strategies. He says, I'll save you. I'll take your sin away. If you'll place your faith and trust, not in what you do, but in what Jesus has done. You give yourself to Him. The world says if you live a good life, you'll get in. God says it's not what you do. It's not what you do. It's not what you do. It's what Jesus has done. It's for by grace that we're saved through faith. That not of yourselves. 
It's a gift of God, not a result of works. Worship. True worship. Acknowledging who he is and falling on your face before him leads us to a place of obedience, not a place of negotiation. We'll just follow him. And following him brings victory in our lives. God gives victory to his obedient people. Just one verse in verse 20. Here we see the obedience of God's people. So the people shouted and the trumpets were blown. And as soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, they shouted with a great shout and the wall fell down flat so that the people went up to the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. Victory. Victory. God's strategy, strange, strange strategy for marriage brings victory. You say, Pastor Dale, look, I was obedient. I tried to be the spiritual leader in my home, and I loved my wife unconditionally, and she left me. You say, Dale, I was obedient when God told me what to do at work. I did it, and I lost my job. My precious and dear friend, I don't know how to explain this to you, but you're a winner. If you did what God told you to do, you have victory. I don't understand that. I just believe it. That we always win when we, t- when we do what God asks us to do, when we follow his strange strategies. And so I say boldly, I say without compromise, I say unapologetically that when you apply God's strategy for, a mar- for your marriage, it brings victory. When you apply God's strategy for parenting, it brings victory. And when you apply God's strategy for worrying, it brings victory. And when you apply God's strategy for relationships, it brings victory. When you apply God's strategy for your finances, it brings victory. When you apply God's strategy for eternal life, for being saved, for having your sins taken away, it brings victory. Simple message, right? We serve a God of strange strategies. He can make walls fall down. He can bring victory in your life. And the question for us becomes... What are the Jericho walls in your life? I would ask you to even take a moment and ask God to reveal to you what really are the Jericho walls? What's the enemy in my life right now? What do I need victory over? What is it? Maybe you would offer to Him this morning that part of your life where you feel most vulnerable where there's the greatest fear. Maybe it's a a temptation in your life. Maybe you struggle with doubt. Maybe you have an unforgiving spirit. That's a Jericho wall God wants to give you victory over. Maybe it's resentment. Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe it's a physical need. Maybe you've lost a loved one. That's a Jericho wall that God wants to bring down and give you victory. Maybe it's an addiction. Something relationally, something emotionally. Hey, maybe it's money. Is that your Jericho wall? God has a strategy for that. 
God will give you victory there. Are you applying God's strategies to that challenge in your life, to that Jericho wall? Are you applying his ridiculous strategies, his strange strategies? Will you believe him? Will you trust him? Will you follow him? I love those words in five, chapter 5, 13 through 15. I am the commander of the Lord's army because when I, when I hear that, it gives me goosebumps. When I hear that, I hear authority. When I hear that, I hear someone I want to follow, someone I want to believe, someone I want to give myself to. I'm the commander of the Lord's army. I'm not on your side. I'm not on their side. Whose side are you on? Come be on my side. and I'll give you victory. What will you do with your encounter with Jesus today? We're going to offer you an invitation. Our team is going to come and they'll sing and I'm going to stand down here in the front and you can give God your Jericho wall. He's bigger than that. You can come, you can can pray by yourself, you can come and, and request that maybe someone would pray with you. We'd be happy to do that. You're here this morning and you've never trusted Jesus to be your Savior. He's here. He's here. He loves you. You're not here by accident. He has presented Himself to you. The question is, is will you acknowledge Him for who He is? Because when you do, you'll want to worship Him. If you don't have Jesus as your Savior, come tell me that. You needn't leave here today without a relationship with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. This is a sacred time. This is holy ground. The commander of the Lord's army stands here revealing himself to you. He has come to you. Will you acknowledge him? And will you worship him? I invite you to stand. Father God, the prayer is simple. I think your instruction to us is simple. You're the commander of the Lord's army. There is none like you. There's none above you. You're the King of kings. You're the Lord of lords. All power and authority is yours. You created the universe. And yet you love us. You come to us. You present yourself to us. Lord, I believe that there might be those here in this room this morning for the very first time they are being confronted by the commander of the Lord's army Maybe they came here this morning because they have a need in their life. It's a Jericho wall. And you have said to them, I bring down walls. Your greatest need is me. Whose side are you on? Give them boldness, Lord, to follow you. Boldness, Lord, to come and say, I want to know Jesus as my Savior. He's my greatest need. I recognize that this morning. Lord, every single individual in this room has a need They think that that need is greater than their need for you, but reveal to them in this moment, in this time, that you are their greatest need. I pray that there would be those who would come and just surrender and worship. Have your will and way in every heart and life. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all sing.